Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. We're on Saturday Magazine, Joy 94.9. I'm Macca. My co-host is Dave Allen, our intrepid newsreader. And uh, a listener during the week SMSed me and said, I love listening to Woke Magazine. <laughs> what do you reckon about that? What do you reckon about that? Honestly. Paul, there we go. Now I'm on. Honestly, Woke is becoming an... It's a Mary Poppins catch-all bag these days. I don't like something. It's Woke. Well... We're going to get to Josh in just a sec. That person that I'm not very fond of, Catherine Dees, tweeted yesterday about conversion therapy in New South Wales and stuff and that Dominic Perrottet has, you know, committed to basically remove it. His words were not quite that. But she said that uh, Alex Greenwich should be the leader of of the Church of Woke. And I thought, oh... Now, that's a good idea. Why don't we start the Church of Woke? That way we can have unrated real estate, we won't pay income tax, and we get to wear all that finery. What do you reckon? (laughs) The Church of Woke. The Church of Woke. I mean, do we get a tax exemption? Yeah. Cool. What do you reckon, Josh? Don't bring me in on that. (laughs) (laughs) Separation of church and state. That's right. Uh, Now, Josh, been a big week in Mm. federal parliament. Um, lots another of, big week. Another yeah. big week. Yeah. Lots of committee hearings. Um, one of the bills that really interested me was the government's housing bill, mm. and the Greens went walkabout. Mm. What happened? Well, t- taking a step back, uh, and good morning, Dave, as well. Good yes. morning. Uh, taking a step back for the last decade, the federal government under Tony Abbott, Malcolm Turnbull, and then Scott Morrison had an ideological point of view that said that they do not get involved in the construction of social housing, which frankly has been a reflection of coalition governments basically since the Second World War. And when Labor gets in government, we like to build social housing. So there is nothing stopping the federal government uh, investing in and building homes. Mm. It just doesn't happen under coalition government. So for the first time in a decade, we had a bill in the, in the federal parliament, which would create a fund uh, and that fund would use its dividends to solely invest back into social housing. So it's it's a way of setting up a long-term investment yeah. pipeline in social housing. And we think it's going to build around 20,000 social homes, including 4,000 domestic violence places, as well as around 10,000 affordable homes for nurses, police, yeah. officers, frontline workers. What an interesting concept. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, it's the biggest investment in social housing by a federal government, really, in the last decade. Now, right. the state governments have been doing a lot of the work yep. on, on social housing, but the federal government hasn't. So, it's a great step forward. And the Greens are still in negotiations. And I think it's important to say that, you know, we still, like, we have met with the Greens on a number of occasions, and we will absolutely continue to do so because it's too important. And as Peter Dutton has shown time and time again, he, you know, he, he is he is not interested in being productive. He just wants to oppose everything. He wants to take 
a similar approach to Tony Abbott took, which is just to oppose everything the government is doing and war on all fronts and all times. So the only pathway we have to get things through is through the Greens. And in the House of Representatives, they abstained from the vote, which didn't affect the vote because we have the numbers in the House of Representatives. And their argument, I don't want to, I don't, I mean, they can speak for themselves, but their argument was that they think that they needed, and the federal government should be doing more. Uh, So what we actually do is we won't, we won't support it. We'd, you know, if we can't get what we want, then we're not going to vote for it. Well, I've done this before. <laughs> well, I, I, from, from my end, I, I just really want to see the federal government in the mm. you know, back back at the table. On, you know, building social housing. It's really important, and and we need to keep taking the progressive side of politics needs to make sure there's progress. In my view, and. I think it's really important that we get this done and, uh, you know, I, we'll, we'll keep negotiating with the Greens and ho- I, I really hope that they do come to the table on this because mm. we can't have a situation where, we, we, you know, for the last 10 years, the federal government was done. completely yep. out of the housing sector and leaving it all to the states and it's gotten us into a really yep. terrible situation. Josh, now, forgive me for... Uh, paraphrasing here, but uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. The Greens wanted the spend for the housing bill to go from 500 million a year over the short term to five billion dollars a year. Now, uh, forgive me, but have they not heard of inflation? Is question number one. Uh, and then, I, uh, Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek yesterday uh, fabulously said, "Where exactly are we going to build all of these houses mm. that they're looking for without turning Australia into Western Sydney?" And the third thing I was asked is uh, a lot of the Greens opposition, uh, I'll point out the gas prices here as well, seems to be very long-term thinking for short-term fixes. Why is this? <laughs> Dave, I, I mean, I, it's, it's a bit unfair for me to be, to me, for me to be just, a, you know, answering on behalf of the Greens because I, <laughs> I, re- I really don't. And, and, and they, can, they can speak for themselves. But from my point of view, what, what I would say is that this policy was developed by Jason Clare in opposition, the Housing Future Fund. It's a way of, it's not the only thing we're doing in housing. It's, um, we, we, you know, we need to work with states and territories. We need to work with local government. We need to look at where we're building homes. The federal government has to be a part of the efforts to tackle the, the housing shortages in Australia. Now, I think, I think when you have an election commitment, you have to stick with it and you have to build trust and it may not it wasn't the greens election commitment it was the labor party's election commitment but we were in government and we have formed government and we're putting forward just as we said we would our policy if the greens want to stop progress that's really a matter for them as i said peter dutton is not interested in in being constructive on anything on anything so our only pathway to get things through in this parliament is through the Greens and the progressive side of politics needs to ensure that there's progress. And if the Greens decide to obstruct progress, well, I think this is not a debating society. This is a real world consequence. It's going to mean 4,000 people, women and children fleeing domestic violence, are not going to have a home. And that's a serious consequence mm. and one that they'll have to explain. I'd like some parties on the progressive side of politics to actually write progressive down, but actually stop, leave the if off the end. And what you'll spell out is progress. Yeah. Right? Bit of a bit of a tip there. Um, I think one of the other issues that I was I was interested in, Josh, um, the safeguards bill. Mm-hmm. In explain what this is about yeah. to us. 
The safeguard mechanism is the single most important thing that we can do to achieve our emission reduction targets. It's the biggest lever that an Australian government has ever tried to pull on emission reductions ever in the history of our great continent. Uh, it is a, it is a, it does a few things. First of all, for the 215 biggest facilities, uh, biggest emitting facilities around the country, uh, it encapsulates them as part of what they call the safeguard mechanism. For each of those facilities, they are going to have a mandated emission reduction target uh, that will be on average around 5% per year. So if you've got a concrete, um, a concrete plant where it's producing concrete, it's really difficult, but they're going to have to try and reduce their emissions by at least 5% every single year. If you've got a coal mine, similar thing. If you've got an aluminium smelter, you know, there is a whole range of different uh, um, facilities that would be encapsulated under the safeguard mechanism. So every year they're going to have to reduce their emissions. If they go beyond what they need to, what we're doing is creating something called a crediting system. So for example, if a system, if a, if a facility reduces their emissions by 10% and they only are required to by five, they can then sell so putting a price, selling with money, uh, their emission reduction. You know, we've had a lot of debate around the price of these sorts mm. of things, uh, but it creates a financial instrument to incentivize companies to reduce their emissions more than what they are required to do. The other thing it also does is it creates a total amount of emissions that are allowed by these 215 facilities and it shrinks them. So it doesn't matter if another one comes on board you can't release more emissions. The gross amount of emissions can't go up. Uh, and so it's it's going to shrink the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that our largest emitters are emitting each and every year. And the other thing it's going to do is create a crediting system for offsets, which is where we're in discussions at the moment with the Greens and a lot of the climate movement who are making uh, suggestions around limiting the number of offsets or the, you know, the long-term planning of offsets. Our modelling suggests that offsets will only incorporate around 20% by 2030. So it's not the major part. We need to ensure that emissions are being reduced not just being offset, uh, but this is the biggest lever and the biggest thing that the Australian government has ever tried to do on emission reductions. It's complicated, as you're probably hmm. hearing a little bit, but it's really, really important that we get this done. We actually, we actually have a message from a listener that says, Greenhouse, Oh, that's the only house that the Greens are interested in. <laughs> um, it's a good soundbite. I thought that, was, thought that was pretty good, actually. Thank you. Um, paid parental yep. leave bill. Yep. What does this mean for families in, in, in the queer community? It's a really big step forward yeah. for families in the queer mm -hmm. community. Uh, Maka, so previously, under the previous paid parental leave scheme, the only um, person who could take leave or take the paid parental leave was really the mother. Yep. And, um, and it was very restrictive around who could take paid parental leave. What we've done is recognise the fact that, and, you know, speaking from experience, the four weeks that I had off when my daughter was born was 
probably the best four weeks of my life, yeah. but also really important for our family. Uh, but, you know, not every family looks like mine. Some families have two mums. Some families have two dads. Some families have single parents. Uh, some par- families have, you know, mixes and matches of everything in between. And all of that is wonderful. And I, I, you know, it was really important that the paid parental leave scheme does a couple of things. First of all, is that we encourage as part of our scheme, so we have a use it or lose it component of the non-birthing mother taking at least two weeks of the scheme. So we want to make sure that that the onus is not all on the birthing mum, that another parent takes time to be with uh, be with the newborn child. Uh, and then there's flexibility. So the majority of the 20 weeks can be done flexibly uh, and it's up to the family about who takes that time and is supported to take time at home. So what it really does, Macker, is that it recognises that whatever component your family is made up of, it's really important for our economy and for women to be able to have the flexibility to get back into the workplace. But it's also really important that we're supporting families of all different shapes and sizes to be able to take that time and to have that time with their new child. And yeah, it's a really, really good step forward. Great. Speaking of women, uh, you've got legislation forthcoming that will be targeted at closing the gap between pay between men and women. Can you speak to that? Sure, Dave. So, So there's a number of different components of that. The, the, the one big thing that's coming out is that we're going to have um, a public register around um, companies that have more than 100 employees and they have to say what they're paying their employees. So it's around having transparency around, are you paying your men more than your women? Mm. And at the moment, the gender pay gap is, you know, is 14% and rising and- that is unacceptable mm. and it needs to be brought down. The other thing that we're doing is trying to support especially women who are in, you know, people working in sort of more feminised industries and services industries like aged care and childcare to have the pay rises that they actually yeah. need. So Industries that are often dominated by queer people as well. Indeed, indeed. Um, so, uh, so it's it's... Um, it's it's going to be a big suite of work and it is a big suite of work and it's going to be an ongoing effort, but it's something that we are really focused on because in a modern economy, we need to make sure we have uh, pay equity. Just quickly, Josh, you said big suite of work. I'm going to jump on that. This really has become the government for everything, everywhere, all at once in terms of reform. <laughs> we've got the voice. We've got housing funds, industry funds. We've got reforms on privacy legislation, reforms on the environment, the Murray-Darling. It just never ends. Why? Like, I'm not criticising. The hardworking pro- government is good thing. But it's called this progress, This seems more Dave. intense than usual. I, th- I think the best way to answer that, Dave, is that for 10 years- these people were standing still and we are reformists. We believe in building a better country and that's not going to happen by standing still. It's going to be happening by moving forward and there by you, progress. There you go. Now, coming up, uh, Josh is leaving us, but we're going to be speaking with Georgie Purcell from the Animal Justice Party. Then a colleague of yours, Peter Khalil, he's going to tell us about his, some of his committee work. And in the second hour, mm. one of your political neighbours geographically and perhaps in other ways, but I'll make that assessment. Zoe Daniel. And I actually heard mm. that Glen Huntley Road is one of is one of the dividing lines it between is. McNamara and Goldstein. It is. And so I often think when I drive down Glen Huntley Road, it really depends which side 
which way I'm going, whether I'm in Josh Land or Zoe Land. It, d- it depends. Are you on the, the right side of the tracks or the wrong side well, of the no, tracks? Well, I'm, no, I'm actually in the middle. Ah, oh, right, right. <laughs> no, no. Both, uh, both Mr. Khalil, Georgie and Zoe are all great people. Yes. And uh, give them all my best. I will. Thank you for coming in, Josh. Always appreciate it. I hope you get some time to yourself over the weekend. What did you want to say, Paul? I just want to say well done on the dad jokes this morning, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly you've been practising those. Yeah. Oh, Mac is a terrible influence on me. <laughs> <laughs> just th- Mac. And for all our listeners, just think about that LGBTQI location survey in Collingwood. Mm. Tell the council about some of the places they may not have been aware of. I reckon that'll be quite interesting. Stay with us. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.